So I just assumed that it was me doing tonight's recording. I'm going to take that as a yes. I mean, I think that sounds good since you wrote the outline. You yeah. just made me wet myself. I was like, is it me? No, I'm going to be like, Josie, I've written the outline for you. If ah. you want to if you wanna start. Uh, I'm good. Are we starting? Are we ready to start? Or People are we just still chatting? Your yeah. voice, mate. Yeah. yeah, maybe we should start recording these visually so I can just show them my legs. <laughs> anyway, hail and welcome to Circle Talk, everybody. A podcast with seekers, initiates, and the curious by four Alexandrian witches with endless different opinions. We are your hosts. Hi, I'm Josie, a high priestess and coven leader near Melbourne, Australia. Hi, I'm James, a high priest and coven leader from just outside New Orleans, Louisiana. And I'm G, a high priestess and coven leader from the New England area of the US. And hi, I'm Peter, a high priest and coven leader from South Wales. So just as a reminder that we are a podcast where we talk about Alexandrian witchcraft and explore the different opinions on how the Alexandrian tradition is practiced in various covens around the globe. Listeners are reminded that while we are all initiates of the Alexandrian tradition, we only speak for ourselves and not for the tradition as a whole, which by now at episode 31, you should know that that is an impossible thing to do. This is episode 31. If this is your first episode, welcome. You may want to take a moment and pause and go back to listen to our introductory episodes, episode zero, introductions, obviously, and episode one, definitions, or just check them out after you've uh, enjoyed this one. So in today's episode, we'll be talking about initiations and everything pertaining to them, the what's, the why's, the how's. We've touched upon the topic of initiations in episode six and seven, why covens part one and two, and in episode 17, Wicca as a mystery tradition, polarity, and it's dotted about in many of our other episodes. So I've given you two. Your first piece of homework is to find the others. Initiation isn't unique to British traditional Wicca and initiatory Wicca. There are many other magical traditions and non-magical traditions for that matter that have some form of initiation, including the OTO. Now, I always just say OTO. I never really pronounce the full version. So if I get this wrong, please somebody jump in. So including the OTO, the Ordo Templi Orientes. I'm just waiting for the smiles and the nods. <laughs> there they are. Which is a hermetic magical organization founded at the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, the Freemasons also have initiations. There are initiations in many types of shamanism. There's initiations in Reiki and there's initiations in eclectic forms of witchcraft and obviously Wicca 2Cs when we normally talk about Wicca 1C. After all, an initiation is a beginning of something, meaning to introduce someone to some practice or system. With that definition, many of the world's major religions also have initiations. Christenings in Christianity, a lay Buddhist ordination in Buddhism, a bar and bat mitzvah in Judaism, and numerous types of initiations in mystery religions and traditions, including the mysteries of Isis, the Eleusian mysteries, and the Orphic, Dionysian and Bacchic initiations. As you can see, initiation isn't anything weird or bizarre or uncommon in the world. Even when you join a new book club, you're having some sort of initiation. What differs our initiation from others is that we are talking about a spiritual initiation, one that involves a change on the spiritual and energetic levels that would include the gods of the Wicca. So in today's episode, after that very long-winded opener, 
we're going to be talking about the why the ritual of initiation is important in Alexandrian and wider BTW witchcraft, how initiation affects you on different levels, what you might find in an initiation, and what you won't find in an initiation, and anything else about initiation that naturally comes up. If you are keeping a tally of the amount of times I say initiation, please send it, because that was a lot of initiation. So with that said, high five, get on the broom, and let's go witches. I know we have a very serious topic to go into, but if your book club has initiations, email me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Sounds like my kind of club. So the initiation for the book club that I run is that you have to complete a reading of High Magic's Aid within one sitting. Bet. (laughs) Now, we know that you haven't done that. Hey, stop giving away the mysteries. I'm sorry, are we at red flags already? So I do have a bit of an update on this. I actually ordered a copy of High Magic's Aid from Amazon (laughs) about four days. No, what day was Sunday? I think it was Friday. And even though I pay for Prime, they were like, oh, yeah, it won't be with you until next week. I'm like, why am I paying Prime? Seriously. Now, here's a funny thing. I also ordered a copy of High Magic Aid last week. You did not. I did. Oh, you see, I did it because I felt really guilty because nearly every episode, we slag off High Magic Aid and we're like, we're not reading it. Unless it's on Same. Audible or Spotify or somebody does like a cast of it on YouTube. I'm not reading it. And then I sat there thinking, I really should read it. Because James always gives me such disapproving looks when I say, I've not read it. <laughs> I think you just said we're going to do a whole episode on our thoughts after having read it. Worst Uh, initiation ever. You see, I'm probably going to have to read it a number of times before I even have any any coherent thoughts on it. Message me. We'll go through this together. I'll support you. Okay. We can have like a shared experience. And then then when we come up with things and, and G and James are like, no, that's wrong. We're like, fuck. Bloody hell. <laughs> okay, now that we've spoken about High Magic Aid and the fact that myself and Josie will be reading it shortly, stay tuned. Let's get back into the actual topic of discussion. So if we start off with why is initiation important in British traditional Wicca? Now, I've spoken for the last like five minutes nonstop solid, so I'm going to throw that out onto the table and one of you guys can jump in whilst I sip my coffee. I guess I think... Um, initiation is important in a lot of different religions, not not just ours, right? Like, I mean, part of it is that we're hierarchical. So there's different initiatory experiences, depending on which degree you're entering into. When you were reciting your list of religions, I kept thinking about Catholicism and the concept yeah. of the seven, um, like, sacraments, seven the, seven sa- the seven sacraments, christening, your first confession, your first communion, your... Uh, confirmation, marriage, um, becoming a priest is a separate is another sacrament, or taking um, taking orders and then uh, receiving last rites, and like all of those are separate. Really, they're initiations, right? They're they're just like sort of sacred moments. And I think in British traditional Wicca, it's the same idea. Like the initiation is a sacred is a sacred step into a different life experience or a different. Um, <laughs> I just want to say, like, level. Like, you're, like, leveling up. Like, do-do-do. Well, you're, you're marking the transition from 
the old to the new. That which was before is no more. And you're very starkly pointing to the transition point. In modern society, too, unless you are a religious person, not everybody has these very um, poignant and marked rites of passage. It's something that has been lost to some degree. And so for a lot of people, initiation in Wicca or in any other spiritual religious tradition is often like the first big one for their life. Yeah, I don't know what it's like in in other countries, and maybe I'm generalising to like Wales or the UK, but most people that, that I know that are of my age don't, you know, they, they don't really describe themselves as religious at all. So therefore they've never gone through any of those kind of initiations that I spoke about earlier, you know, e- even less so going through some sort of um some sort of like baptism in Christianity. So I I, I think that's a that's a really good point, Josie. So there's a whole social dynamic too, because religion is just one of our social institutes. Um using the word institute more as a category and less an actual organization, except for in those cases where it is. So it's there's a, so, a social dynamic of belonging and becoming part of a, a new group, and and that may happen as an initiation moving from say uh, a young person to an adult, but it can also happen from being a non-member to a member and so on and so forth. So there's there's lots of these transition points that societies have developed over the years, and this is simply one of ours yeah we use the term initiation within like a magical context but realistically speaking as james just said the the transition from like baby to child child to teenager teenager to adult they are all kinds of initiations if that happens within a within a religious setting then it might be a little bit of a different flavor but i think i think they are really good points to bring up james thank you so i know that you just mentioned about you know bringing you in like it brings you into some sort of community as well and one of the things that i think is important for initiation in in british traditional wicca is that it gives you that understanding that you are you are a moving cog within a bigger system it brings you into the coven yes you know we quite often talk on the podcast about the fact that you are initiated into the coven first and the tradition is almost like a byproduct byproduct i think is the wrong word but you initiate in the coven first and then the tradition and then at some point there's that realization that the coven is also part of something bigger as well and you're you're introduced to that wider british traditional wicker egregore i suppose it's which i know s- we'll touch upon in a minute i'm sorry it's a secondary oh, cool. thought like that i think ideally for us in this in this chat I think we see this tradition, although we love our tradition and we love the shared experience and like the shared culture and, and practice that it brings us to us, the coven should be your primary concern and the tradition, uh, like a much more secondary priority. The the coven is, is the vehicle of the practice. And, you know, the tradition might be that outer web where you, you, the covens connect all to each other through that shared practice, but the vehicle of that, the way you experience it, is through the coven. Yeah, and, and the fact that every initiate of the Wicca has gone through 
a very similar initiatory experience also gives us that shared connectivity as well because I think until you realize that you might just get into the thinking of all oh, you know this is how yes this is how we do it as a coven but everybody of the wicca in the Alexandrian tradition and the Gardnerian tradition have gone through a very 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 similar at least like physical ritual as well and it, and it gives you that shared commonality that shared experience so when you're with other wiccans initiated wiccans you can you can kind of draw upon our experience and and have those discussions as well it gives us all a reference point a, a, a similar context yeah. to our practice that although we might not have the vocabulary or logical words to dissect it we have the experience that goes beyond that yeah every coven does things slightly differently but when you meet another initiate who is like a legitimate initiate of btw you know that they've gone through a very similar experience to you that same bringing in and then what you do from there is more up to your coven yeah and i suppose like after initiation there are there are similar tips and tricks and techniques that i think quite is is i think too much of a, a big quantifier but those techniques and tips and tricks uh they're quite similar amongst all of the wicker so by getting that initiation by going through initiation you are given the tools of almost like tried and tested forms of working witchcraft and magic and wicker because no one wants to jump in into the deep end and not know if there is going to be an outcome if any outcome at all and being an initiate will give you the keys and the tools and the access to techniques that have been tried and tested that are very specific to British traditional Wicca, which hopefully will mean that your magic and your witchcraft is is more effective. And I'm not saying therefore that only initiates can work and perform effective witchcraft and magic. You know, there are ritual magicians out there that work and perform really good ritual who are not initiates of the Wicca. And there are those that that fall in between those two categories and everybody else outside that also perform effective magic. But I think one of the one of the staples, in my opinion, of of BTW of British Traditional Wicca is that it gives you those tools in order for you to have that self development and self empowerment and to perform effective witchcraft and magic. I think as well when obviously you get initiated into a coven, you have you have that kind of backup, your coven or your support. If there's something that is going wrong within your life or within your magic or within your work, capital W, they are there. Your coven is there to support you. And that support, more often than not, will probably come from the high priestess and the high priest and the coven elders, as a maybe as opposed to other brand new initiates kind of thing, because I suppose you can't teach what you don't know. But for me, that whole support, that whole support network is is really important. Because I remember when I first got into Wicca 2Cs, there's a lot to learn. And I was like, well, I don't really have anybody to turn to. Like, who who else do I speak to about this? My partner isn't really into this kind of thing. Um, it was in the early days of initiate groups and seeker groups kind of thing. So I think for me, one of the biggest tenants, not, not even the word tenant, but one of the big, biggest things that we can offer a new initiate is that support to know that they are looked after and that we do kind of have their back if anything was to go wrong magically. 
I would add along like with the support piece and the, um, you know, shared experience piece that our oaths, I think, fall in our part of that too, right? Like there's a really big assumption of privacy and secrecy within the coven and within the tradition as or traditions as a whole. And so um, the fact that we have those shared oaths, I think makes getting support from your, from your coven mates and your, your Alexandrian or Gardnerian kin a lot easier because you know that you've got the security of, ideally you have the security of your identity um, and your, your, any sort of like personal information you're sharing, especially about ritual and whatnot within the group. Well, I would also extend the support beyond just the scene because a magical current gathers about it, spirit allies, um, the unseen host, whatever you want to call them, and initiation amongst the Wicca includes you in the presidents of all the workings the Wicca have already had with this host, this group of allies. So you don't have to reinvent those relationships. You already step into that ready role as an initiate and have an understanding with these spirits that they may not have with a non-initiate. And so there's a, a whole level of support that you get there that doesn't otherwise come without years and years and years of development. Yeah, I suppose it's like when when a friend introduces you to another friend, you might have made that friendship years and years and years down the line. But the fact that somebody is saying, hey, this is whoever, the gods will recognize us because we have gone through that initiation. We've all gone through a very similar experience. And the fact that that we can step then into that circle after having an initiation, the, the gods will recognize us as well. So I want to also just take a moment to kind of poke at what is the point of initiation? Why why are we seeking initiation? So in an interview conducted, or interviews, I suppose I should say, because they were plural, in interviews conducted by Stuart Farrar with Alex Sanders, Alex said that the whole purpose of initiation is that you're seeking enlightenment and knowledge and wisdom and that the purpose of initiation is to be in full consciousness at that moment of departure from your physical body which we'll touch upon later so that you will just progress to the next plane or the inner plane and i think i think that rings true to me i think going through an initiation is is a form of enlightenment i am seeking that knowledge and i am seeking that wisdom and from my personal opinion, the knowledge and the wisdom that I'm seeking can only really be accessed through initiation. I know I mentioned those those keys, those tips, those tricks and techniques earlier. You can only really get those from a comer's perspective through initiation. It's seeking that knowledge for sure that can only be accessed in that way, but it's for me, in some ways, it's more than that. It's it's being willing to seek this knowledge no matter what and knowing that yeah. it might not always be comfortable or easy and knowing that you might fail along the way, but you're willing to do it anyway. I wanted to, and this is something I think we're going to talk about in the next section as well, but um, there's a real power to the fact that this is a chosen initiation and we're going to talk about you know, some other initiations that people go through that happen to all of us sort of 
whenever, like randomly sort of, and, and not usually at times that you choose and they're not usually things that you would choose. Um, but one of the things I think as we move forward into the next section that I do want to keep in mind is that piece of you're seeking enlightenment, knowledge, and wisdom. And I think that's one of the things that links initiations, right? Regardless of whether or not it's an initiation you sought or it's just something that's sort of happening to you, initiations leave you at the end, ideally, if they worked, if they took, right, quote unquote, more knowledgeable, wiser, and enlightened, but by which I just sort of mean like aware of something that you really weren't aware of before. With a greater understanding of of our gods is what it comes down to. So my first Alexandrian high priest used to say, you're either approaching initiation with no choice or you're crazy. And what he was getting at was generally we can choose to not participate in the inner mysteries and have a comfortable life of stuff, so on and so forth, and not be concerned with it at all. But if there's this indescribable hook that's been put into you that pulls you that way, you have no choice. Because if given the choice and you really look at the difficult work it is to look at your own inner being and do the hard work that it takes to transform for that enlightenment and wisdom and exerting, you must be crazy to want to do it. Um, that's the way he would explain it. And so when you're asking, well, what's the point? I'm just like, I don't know that I can explain the point because there's this inexplainable hook that's been put into me. And I'm just I'm doing it because I don't feel like I have another choice. That's why people look for initiation, right, or, or why they should. Um, it's not seeking another title. It's not collecting titles so you can be Lord whoever. It's a lot of work and it has to be worth it. Yeah, and I think the fact that there's been many, 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 many books written by initiates and non-initiates on Wicca and witchcraft and pagan witchcraft, I feel sometimes that when people get into it, like British traditional Wicca, they kind of they kind of see the love and light aspect and they attend open rituals and open sabbats and, and think, oh yeah, this is exactly what it is. And they get into it and they think, whoa, this is a lot of work. And yeah, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work. And sometimes as as James kind of, of poked at, you will do things that push you out of your comfort zones and will push your boundaries. And I suppose as long as those things are not traumatic, you don't have to worry about the end result or what's happening. Because again, these are techniques that have been tried and, and, and tested amongst the wicker and even though you might do things that that make you feel uncomfortable, they're all done within a safe space and safe parameters. So I want to move on and I want to talk about the the five types of initiation. We've we've poked at them a little bit in the past, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. But I think if we if we look at these five types of initiation and, and, and we discuss them, it'll bring a little bit more context to the rest of the discussion. So from a BTW perspective, 
Um, I know we attempt to do all five of these in our initiation. Um, not all social groups do this, or you won't always experience it that way. Like their idea of initiation doesn't include all five. This is simply a an us kind of thing. Sometimes the line between the different categories isn't always very clear cut. Like you could probably condense some of them if you wanted to. But for talking points, it's useful to split it into five. Um, and so those are new beginning, uh, joining a group, the aha moment of life, you know, uh, eureka, a spheric initiation, and the meeting or introduction to the unseen host or allies and or egregore associated with the group. And so when we talk initiation from the perspective of contemporary paganism, you got to know what someone's talking about because sometimes they just might mean one of these and not necessarily all of them. Um, I know we've touched on them, new beginnings. You're, you're starting a new path. You're, you're at the front door of a new thing. I know often in common speech people can talk about initiation almost like as a graduation, like they've been working up towards it and it's this final end point, but it's not. It's really just the start. Everything you did up to then is setting the table. You put the plates out, but the meal's not on the plate yet. Joining a group should be self-explanatory. It's simply just the process of making someone a member. That could be in daily life, something as simple as paying your fee and getting a card. We do it a bit more elaborately and, and ritually, and there's a bit more that goes to it. Um, the aha moments of life, we talk about that enlightenment and the wisdom that you get. Well, you're going to have epiphanies, and we hope large ones associated with the mysteries of the Wicca are a result of our initiation ritual. And often people talk about an initiation not sticking, and that may be someone who just hasn't delved into the inner work associated with an initiation. But you could just have one on a random Tuesday while at the local market and be like, oh, an epiphany hits you. Um, the spheric one has to do with energy. Um, speaking from a tradition that talks energetically often in our work. Our sphere of influence is anything in existence in which we have a direct impact on. Um, physically, you extend your arms and legs, that's your sphere. But metaphorically, I have a direct impact on my career, my love life, the world around me. Doesn't mean I have direct control of those things, just an impact. I place my hand metaphorically upon them. Well, spheric initiation is where a sphere of influence other than yours have overlapped in such a way that they're vibrating kind of at the same wavelength. And that may have to do with the Kabbalah and the Sephra, if you're into that. It may have to do with angelic work or with other spirits, the elements, so on and so forth. But there's energy work that can be done. And then meeting the unseen host, allies, Egregore. That's very similar to joining a group but I like to, to break this one out so that it's spoken about that when you are joining a group, you're not just joining the physical group of people who are standing around you. The ancestors of the Wicca, our gods, so on and so forth, are all included in this, what you are joining.
So I I really want to talk about um, the intersection in some of these and especially about um, the initiations that have to do with those aha moments in life and the new beginning. Also, I was like snapping and now um, Peter's giving jazz hands and emphasis for like some of what James was saying, right? About mm-hmm. like when we say initiations didn't take and like usually what we mean when we say that is that what my high priestess used to say is about some some stuff and some people like there's no there there it's casting pearls before swine to to steal an idiom like they just cannot get it um and unless they get hit with a massive clue by four and we all know people who have had plenty of life experience that should have clued them in and still somehow refuse to learn or refuse to get the message whatever that message might be for that individual, right? So like when when we say initiations haven't taken, that's what we mean. Like people are just choosing ignorance um, in a lot of ways. But this idea of like new beginnings and aha moments of life, there's so many things that you go through as a human being that are initiatory experiences, right? Some of those things you might not remember as, as little as like starting your first day of preschool or kindergarten, like, you know, your first few days of school, graduating from, high school, like in some places or secondary school marks, um, you know, that now you're an adult and like some form of independence is expected. Those kinds of things can be smaller initiations for other people. They're huge because they mean, oh, like I turned whatever your legal age is, 17, 18, I can move out of my house. I can get away from my family. Like those are initiatory experiences for people and they can be huge aha moments, but they can also be completely life-changing just because all of a sudden, like your situation has changed um losing someone who's really close to you whether that be a very dear friend or a family member a parent a child like any of those losses is completely devastating and an initiatory experience you're never the same person after that whoever you were before that death is not the same person that you are after that giving birth like the physical process of giving birth people who give birth that in itself is an initiatory experience you're you move through something spiritual people have said And you're not usually the same person after giving birth as you were before. Parenthood on its own, separate from that, is an initiatory experience. Who you are as a parent and having and raising small humans is different than who you were before Um, you had children, right? So like there are all of these different getting married, having to join your life to another person and figure out how to how to make that work. That's a whole initiatory experience. And there's in all of these cases, there are people who actively choose to like ignore the lessons or the changes that go with that, right? There are people who just refuse to change, let marriage um, or partnership change them in any way and stay exactly as they've been. There are people who refuse to learn um, or who choose to like be in denial about losing someone important and so on and so on, right? So I think, um, although I said earlier that you have to choose initiate, like choosing BTW initiation makes it unique. I also think that in some ways, any of these initiatory experiences that you go through, or for many of them, you also have to choose to let it change you or to not fight the fact that it's going to change you and just accept that who you are on the other side of that is going to be different. And so I think that's the tie between the new beginnings and the aha moments. Even though, as as James said, you know, an aha moment could be a shower thought that you have that you're like, oh shit, like my parents are human beings who make mistakes. Like I should probably stop being so mad at them for just being people, right? Or whatever. Um, sometimes it's like that, but other times it's 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 bigger. Yeah, and I just kind of want to circle back around to when we talk about 
has the initiation taken? Now, for me, because of what we mentioned, because of what kind of James said earlier about the fact that you are introduced to the gods and therefore the gods know you, for me, it's not it's not an either or option. It does take or it doesn't take. It's, for me, it's not that. I've yet to come across or to meet an initiate who I don't feel where the initiation hasn't taken. When I think about it, I always think about it as it might have it might have taken a little bit more time for the energies of the initiation to settle, but they will settle. So for me, it's not as if like, oh yeah, they've gone through the initiation, but they don't smell right or they don't feel right. You know, we are all initiates and sometimes it might take a little bit longer for those energies to settle than other people who have gone through an initiation and then within like the space of 24 hours, they feel that that the initiation has taken. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there because I don't want I don't want listeners who are possibly seekers at the moment who, or who are thinking of seeking initiation into BTW to get worried like, oh, no, what if what if my initiation doesn't take? kind of thing um i don't think it's a it's a either or you know it it will take because of the processes that you've gone through you've been introduced to the gods the gods know you you've you've been welcomed into a new group into a coven and the initiation will take it might take a little bit more time i suppose it links to what you're saying g about am i going to accept these lessons am i going to ignore them i think if you willfully ignore lessons that are being thrown at you either by the coven or by the gods, you might feel as if the initiation is doing more harm than good. And I think we're going to discuss that a little bit later. But yeah, take on those lessons. Take on what the gods are throwing at you in your coven. Work through it and 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 just kind of trust the process that initiation is that beginning and, and you are being accepted into something new. I think it's good that we're talking about that. Because it's probably not the most accurate use of language to actually explain what we're we're getting at. Because I'm kind of on board with you. Like you can't unsee or unexperience yeah. that which you've experienced, and so you you are an initiate. And so saying it doesn't take isn't a um, the best way to explain that you haven't delved into uh, the mysteries beyond surface level um and nothing says you have to i guess but if you're not here to do that work why are you here yeah i think the fact that we've all sought like even between us or we've all sought initiation we've sought it for the for, for the reason and i know james mentioned earlier about getting that hook and being pulled kind of thing by by the gods but i would hazard a guess that the vast majority I, w- I was going to say 99%, but that, that's like a big number. I would say the vast majority of initiates want to delve into the deeper mysteries. And, you know, there are initiates that stay at first degree for years and years and years and years. And that's that's just fine. If you're in a coven that links leadership to higher degrees, the second degree, the third degree, and you have no interest in leading a coven, then your coven, your HPHPS might say, well, you know, you you don't necessarily need the higher degrees. But if you're in a coven that doesn't link leadership to those higher degrees, then they might, after a year and a day, say, 
you know, you've been with us a year and a day. Are you like, what's your plan? Are you thinking of taking the higher degrees? You know, for us as, as a coven, we do link leadership to higher degrees. And if you want to lead your own coven, then you are required to, to take second and to take third as well. I'm just going to say the degrees don't have a monopoly on the mysteries. So a first degree right. can delve just as deep into mysteries as a second or third degree. Yeah. So for me personally, there are there are more mysteries that are revealed by going through the initiation of second and or third degree as well. But yeah, James, you're completely right. A first degree can delve as deeply into those mysteries. I just think going through the second and third degree will also open up more avenues for you as well. It's almost like it just invites you to look at some of these mysteries from a different perspective. Yeah, I was I was going to say something which I think might be a bit controversial, which is that I think that for some people, the mysteries of second and third degree absolutely can be brought to the forefront of their knowledge or experience before they actually go through those elevation rites, right? And that sometimes what that can mean is, and and even this is true, I think, for, for first degree, sometimes what that means is that the initiation or elevation ritual itself is a less profound experience, even if energetically it's still amazing, and even if they're still really pleased to be part of the new coven or, you know, to have a new role. Um, when we talk about the effect in the next section, they may have less maybe less burdened by some of those effects sometimes if they've sort of, you know, quote unquote, gotten it um, ahead of time. But, you know, none of that really undermines the point of doing the rituals themselves. I think it's just that Wicca, you know, is very much, yes, we're a mystery tradition. We're also an experiential tradition. And Wicca exists, you know, somewhere between Malkuth and Yasad um on the tree of life right or like often between like the earth the moon and the sun in terms of what we do and there's there's nothing there that's outside the realm of human experience right but ultimately the reason that we say like there are multiple paths to the divine is because what we conceptualize as the divine is totally findable through your life and your life experiences and like we don't have a monopoly on these mysteries or these ideas. This is just one way to get to them because they're very tangible, experiential mysteries, right? This is not the Buddha going to sit under a tree. This is not Jesus wandering in the desert for 40 years. Like you don't have to starve yourself to death to experience the enlightenment that Wicca has to offer. You have to live a life. And we do that and sort of speed that process along with our rituals and practices. But, you know, people do get there. Uh, on their own sometimes it just then they're not in the coven and that's that's the bonus gift so we've mentioned quite quite briefly that or i suppose we've hinted at the fact that initiation will cause a change but i just want to kind of poke at, at the fact that there are many levels there are there are different levels that an initiation will take effect on and i want to break those levels down into the physical the spiritual and the emotional because when you go through an initiation, you are going through not just a, a spiritual change, but you're also going through that physical ritual as well. And lots of the physical elements within the initiation might be the first time you're coming across these things as well. I think sometimes 
we take it for granted as as initiates that what we're talking about is kind of like commonly known and commonly accepted. And I imagine that many seekers that come to us and and go through initiation will know that a lot of these things exist. But sometimes it can be linking back to like an aha moment. One of these things that I want to talk about is the fact that when you're initiated, you will you will be naked. And if you've only ever really been naked around your partner or just yourself, being naked around multiple people is a change. It can be quite daunting. Can I say it? Because I don't think James is going to say it. Go for it. I now correct people when they say naked and I use James's <laughs> accent and I say, you're not naked, you're scar clad. <laughs> I thought there was going to be like a naked comment, like N-E-K-K-I-D in there somewhere. I'm appreciative of what you're putting down, Josie. Because initiation is the first time you're sky clad, vice naked. Mm -hmm. So, okay, shall we poke at what the difference is? I mean, if if you are a veteran listener, you will already know that we, we see that there is a difference between being naked and being sky clad. But for the benefit of possibly new listeners i mean if you're coming in at episode 31 stop go back listen to the myriad of hours that we have already clocked up on this podcast yep you're banned do not go any further yeah stop in the name of love that's just you don't, know me because it came into my head <laughs> okay so what what do we mean what is the difference between being naked and being skyclad I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this at James because he always makes the differences really like tangible. So being naked's like exposure. And skyclad is you're not unclothed, you're just clothed in the whole of the universe. It's the best way I can explain it in very quick shorthand. Yeah, and we might have listeners right now that are like, well, there's no difference. You're you're still like showing your bare skin to this group of people that you know you you you're with naked right now. But there is that difference, as James just said. Being being naked is being vulnerable, and yes, there is a certain vulnerability about being in the nude with with other people. Also, being in the nude when you are initiated, and you know, like most most Gardnerian and most Alexandrian covens will work skyclad they they will work in the nude and you know that that is a that is a physical change like i said earlier if you've only ever been nude around your partner or yourself it can be quite daunting you know initiation isn't necessarily supposed to be a comfortable experience and and that can be quite quite daunting and quite worrisome for would-be seekers and, and and initiates, not initiates, those who were seeking initiation even. But it very quickly transitions from that place of vulnerability and exposure, almost like that is the initiatory challenge in that particular aspect that then moves you to this shedding of your ego in such a way that there is no boundary between you and the greater experience of existence. Yeah, you you quickly move past the fact that you are you are bearing yourself naked to 
a group of other people. You know, it 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 quickly goes past the fact that that you're naked and you just kind of almost transcend and and you just get on with the work. Yes, okay, people are naked. Okay, let's let's move on, kind of thing. And you know, we in the coven always say that the the most awkward part of getting ready for circle is taking off your clothes. That's kind of like the most awkward part. And then you and and it takes what five ten seconds. I mean. As soon as that happens, you just kind of, you move into that headspace of, yeah, this is a trigger to my body that we are doing something that is that is special, that is sacred, and and yeah, but yeah, that's that's one of the one of the physical effects. Some of the other physical effects of of initiation is that you will be physically challenged. Now, we had a, like a little pre discussion about this and we are all mindful of our oaths and I think I'm just going to leave it at the fact that yes, you will be physically challenged. It's one of the physical effects of initiation. Well, that's one of the hallmarks of initiation. There has to be some form of ritual challenge or act that discards the old and transforms it into the new. Josie, that's fine. Change your mind. No, I was just thinking like you will be physically challenged. Just sounds like there'll be like a wrestling match. Josie, don't tell them. (laughs) Don't tell them about the sacred assault course. Don't tell them about the the Northampton Bears. (laughs) You have to physically fight the high priest if you want into the coven. I told the coven folks over last night that Josie said, and this, this is for all the audience, Josie messaged me and said, I've been watching videos of bears in Northampton. Northampton, a.k.a. NoHo, is like a little hippy dippy town out in Western Massachusetts. It's a college town. Um, it is very cute, full of like little shops, but it's also in the middle of nowhere. And so there are there's plenty of wildlife, including bears. So Josie's has been watching bear videos of Northampton. So I related this to the coven because she said she wants to go visit. And they were like, she's in Australia. Like they have way cooler, more dangerous animals than bears there. <laughs> incorrect. Incorrect. Bears are the best and I'm coming to see the bears. So, okay. Whoopie seekers, <laughs> get ready for fighting the bears. And the kangaroo. A, and the kangaroo. And uh, but also the alligators. No, you know crocodiles. what? This is racist now. You can't just assume <laughs> I'm going to fight everyone just because I'm Australian. But is it racist? Like, are you willing to fight these people and these animals? Because, well, th- you can I ask you the would. high priest that I had to physically fight to get initiated, can't you? I think it's ethnocentric at, at worst. <laughs> and since he's including all cultures here, like gators down in James's and bears apparently up by me, what do you have to fight in Wales? Giant rabbits? Wildlife may vary by region. Dragon. No, so we so we don't um we don't fight animals, but we do make them stand out in every kind of rain that is known to the Welsh person, because that is an initiation in and of itself. Like you've got to fight the rain that bounces up from the ground and that hits you in the face from every side, and even that rain that gets you really wet when it's not even raining. I'm like, what is the deal with that? What does it deal with that? That's what the the year in a day is really just so that you can experience every type of rain that Wales has to offer. And you get to be initiated after you can document having experienced 
all of these different rains. <laughs> that is definitely on the cards for when all you guys fly over. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure it's during like the wettest, the wettest part of of um of Welsh weather. Um, as we're talking, we'll we'll link this in the show notes as well. But there is um there is an initiation in air quotes available for viewing on YouTube that was performed by uh, the the Farrars where they have somebody going, like having some sort of an initiation through the elements. And one of my favourite parts of this is where they will hide behind the trees in a forest. I, I forget whether this, this, this would-be initiate is blindfolded, but from behind the trees, when the camera cuts in every now and then, they are like, Ushna, Ushna. And I love it. I absolutely love it. If if I lived in a place that had its own private woods, that would be on the cards all the time because I love it. And most of our woods are not private and they're also on hills. So being being blindfolded and having people call your name from different directions at you would not be it would not end well in Wales. I think we talked in a previous episode about how cooked that initiation is. The way we that definitely like, have. they blindfold him and make him run through fire and like push him in a river while yeah. tied up. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So yeah, we'll we'll link that in the show notes because it is it is fun watching. It is fun watching. And not necessarily depictive of, but you will be physically challenged. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you will, during your initiation, you will be physically challenged as well, which now that we've given the way, away the mysteries, that is basically fighting the high priest gladiator style with, like, combat gear, um, we spot the surprise. I'm sorry. We're sorry. By gladiator style, we mean like the '90s like game show with the big padded thing. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah, and it's like three, two, one, fight, and then and the high priest the... is called like Taipan or something, or like anyway. Tyson. Okay, what um, what other physical effects are there that might be included in an initiation? Well, apart from fighting the priest. Sometimes the he tags in the high priestess. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. Um, you will feel as if there is physical exertion, and I suppose if you if you have problems with your joints or if you can't stand for long periods of time or if you find kneeling in <clears throat> in cramped positions on the floor or whatever really really uncomfortable, then that is something that you need to tell your high priestess and your high priest. You know we we can make accommodations for nearly everybody but that's not to say that you won't feel that physical exertion and that you won't be physically challenged because that is that is part of the initiation yes i i mean accom- making accommodations is very reasonable we've made accommodations for pregnant people you know we brought pillows in so if people have to kneel they have something soft to kneel on like all of these things, you know, if people get dizzy, if, if, um, you know, in, in some kinds of situations, like we might give them drama, me and whatever. Um, we traditionally do ask people to fast before ritual, but if somebody has diabetes or low blood sugar, or low blood pressure, like, of course, we'll encourage them to eat, you know, 
preferably like some fruits and vegetables throughout the day. Like accommodations are definitely, you know, we don't want it to sound ableist to say like, oh, you're going to have to go through some physical exertion. But if you don't communicate those things, then what's what's meant to be somewhat uncomfortable to push you outside of your comfort zone is is going to become worse. Fainting during your initiation happens, but it's not not preferred. Yeah, it's initiation is a change. Change isn't comfortable, but there's a difference between comfortability and your safety. Yeah, you know, if if you have to eat during the day because of your blood sugar levels or or whatever, or you're taking medication, like I'm going to say it now, do not stop taking medication. Like if you are required to fast before your initiation, do not stop taking medication. You know, that's important. You know, medication does not not come under like the food category. But yeah, lots and lots of covens will will say, yes, you can have some fruit, you can have some nuts, you can drink fruit juice or or water. You know, that is all part of that, like like that physical exertion as well. What are the what are the spiritual effects? We've spoken about the physical effects, but what about the spiritual effects? We've kind of touched upon this since the beginning of the podcast that there are energetic changes on the astral level, on your on your spiritual level. Those energetic changes will quite often also manifest after initiation in physical effects. It might be that you're in the process of, of moving house or you're in the process of getting a new job and that spiritual energetic change might be the catalyst for those things as well. So there's not just change on the physical level, but the change on the spiritual level. James has mentioned it a, a couple of times already, numerous times already on the podcast, that the fact that when you go through an initiation, you are welcomed spiritually by the gods of the Wicca. And obviously that, that happens on the spiritual level, not the physical level, but you are welcomed by the gods when you then step into your next circle and every other circle after that the gods will recognize you that's that's a spiritual change that will happen there's a an aspect energetically of your life that you're not managing well whether we're talking your finances your love life whatever you're not managing it well initiation is going to slam into that and cause you to have to look at it in such a way that you either need to whole hog renounce all things in that sphere of influence or you need to learn to manage it because that's part of what an initiation does yeah i kind of put it as initiation shakes your tree and anything that is ready to to come out is going to come out and sometimes it I agree if there's anything you're not managing well, for sure, it's going to be that. But sometimes it's just like there's stuff that you maybe weren't aware of. There are things that are holding you back. Um, anything like that, anything that's not serving you anymore. Um, if you have like certain sorts of destructive tendencies or tend to like fall into the same patterns all the time, those things are going to come out as well, right? So the idea is to sort of push you into learning some lessons that you need. Yeah, and sometimes initiation won't necessarily just like rock the tree or shake the tree sometimes it'll uproot the tree and that's where the work comes in most of us will have to work through it and not just ignore it and whenever we have perspective 
dedicants and they've come to the end of like our dedicant course, our dedicant degree, we will talk at great length about the fact that initiation will cause upheaval. And the the would-be initiate can do one of two things with that information. They they can either take it on board and think, okay, yeah, I'll I'll prepare myself for this. Or they can completely ignore uh, the fact that we are telling them this is this will happen. Like we don't know whether it'll manifest in your job, or in your love life, or or anything else. But but something will manifest, and you have to be ready to work through that for that physical manifestation as well. So part of the the energetic changes of initiation is that you will be introduced to mysteries. Now, those mysteries might be the mysteries of the Wicca, or they might be very, very personal mysteries. But again, those can have a profound effect and a profound change on on you going forward. And it is important to take on board those mysteries and to learn from them and to embody, I think is the wrong word, but to embody those mysteries. It is important because at the end of the day, as initiates, we are we are working through those mysteries, we are working through those teachings as a way of self-development and self-empowerment. And you know, you don't you don't necessarily grow if you're always in your comfort zone. You know, you you don't get diamonds from just anything. A piece of coal will need to undergo so much pressure for it to be turned into a diamond. And I think that it is important that new initiates and seekers realise that, yes, there will be, even though we've mentioned it already, I think Yves mentioned it again, there will be things that are uncomfortable that you will just have to work through. And and the mysteries will open you up to those changes. Okay, and the next bit that I want to talk about is the emotional changes and the emotional effects. Initiation can be a very emotional experience. You are experiencing the gods of the wicker for the first time. You might have overwhelming emotions where you burst into tears because this might be the first positive religious and spiritual experience that you've ever had. If you've come from other religions which have, have, have given you baggage or caused you trauma, the the fact that you're going through through this initiation will be very emotional. You know, if you've never felt part of of a wider community or if you've never felt part of a previous religious community, this might be the first time that you feel as if you've come home. And for me in particular, this this is what this is what it was. I've never really or I never really had a religious community because I grew up almost non-religious in a in a in a non-religious family and having that that aha moment of this is a community that I want to be part of so I sought it was very emotional and it was very changing you know the other side of the coin is that initiation can can bring a lot of joy can bring a lot of euphoria you know especially when you get into into certain BTW practices they are very profound experiences shared experiences of the coven shared experiences of of the wicca so you will you will go through a whole host of emotions not just during the actual initiation but 
in every other circle that follows on. And sometimes it'll just hit you around the head and you're not expecting it. And you, you might be stood there in in awe of deity and or in awe of the goddess and have this this profound individual experience that that you then might want to share with the with the covenant large but there is definitely an emotional aspect to initiation and, and practicing wicker and witchcraft yeah i concur that there definitely is an emotional aspect um, ideally i think it's all the things you describe um but on occasion it can just be underwhelming for some people maybe they've already had life experiences that have shaken that part of their tree or they've had to work through those particular mysteries and so they have all this build-up thinking that they're going to have these profound experiences and then it just falls flat i've run into a handful of initiates that have spoken about that um sometimes there's not a good mesh between the covenant and would-be initiate and it's not the happiest of experiences that's not the general that's not the vast majority um but as long as we're we're being real and we're talking about it yeah there's an emotional aspect but the way that looks is individualistic and these responses are true of many different types of initiation they're not they're not unique to us again we don't have a monopoly on feeling really emotional after being initiated into into our stuff i think this is where communication is so important um, in the lead up to initiation and afterwards as well. Talk to your priesthood, it's what they're there for. And if you find yourself in that position where it was a little bit underwhelming and you poke at that and you delve into that and you find that this is not the coven for you, then be upfront because wicker should be hard to get into but so, so easy to get out of. And if these people are not speaking your truth or you just not meshed with them, that's that's fine. You know, you, you don't have any obligation to stay. I think, I think you do have an obligation. As initiates, we do have an obligation to make sure that we have open communication with our high priestess, high priest, coven elders, so that if there is something going on, speak to us because if we don't know we can't help and if you're in your own head and this this thing is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger you might alleviate that by speaking to the coven elders to the high priestess the high priest and you might look at it in a different light and think oh yeah do you know what actually i'm i'm okay now kind of thing i you know i can't stress how important open communication with with the coven is because again if if we don't know we can't help and you know the the very last thing that we want is for any of our initiates to feel that they can't speak to us or to feel that their questions are silly because more often than not we've heard about this even if we haven't experienced it personally within the coven we will know of initiates who have spoken to us about possibly similar things that you're going through and therefore we could point you in their direction and say hey heads up i've i've given my initiate your contact details i hope that's okay can they speak to you about xyz obviously check with the person that you're giving their contact details to first because you know privacy but you know if we don't know we can't help so yeah please 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 speak to your covenant speak to your covenant members okay 
let's move on to maybe talking about some things that we might find or expect to go through in initiation. Now, I want to start off by saying that earlier we mentioned that you will be physically challenged and it is important to lean into that that perfect love and perfect trust. If you don't have perfect love and perfect trust, then I suppose the first question is, is this the is this the coven for you? Why don't you have perfect love, perfect trust? But I think, you know, you don't, if you're going through an initiation, you don't necessarily need to worry. Just go through the process and lean into that perfect love and perfect trust. We've already touched upon it. You know, this means that that you will be uncomfortable and you will have your boundaries pushed, but in a safe environment and in a safe way, you know, unless you're outside and the ground is uneven and there are many pointies and the fire is roaring, you know, even then you will be in, in safe hands. So lean into that perfect love and perfect trust. I know that we've also mentioned this earlier on in this episode where we spoke about the second and third degree, but initiation, as James earlier said, is only the start. You are initiating something. Within British traditional Wicca, you also have three three tiers, three degrees. And some covens might have something before the first degree, like a build-up in preparation, like a dedicant degree. But you've got your first degree, your second degree, and your third degree. Now, I it's I think it's, you know, quite common knowledge in a lot of seeker groups, at least anyway, that sometimes you'll have a first degree and then the second and third possibly together. Some covens put second and third together. Some covens will separate second and third out. For the covens that separate second and third out, they normally have very sound reasons. And that is something that you can discuss with with your with your coven once you're initiated. They might not tell you why if you're seeking or if you're in the in like the prep stages. But yeah, there are there are normally three degrees, the first, the second, and the third degree. Another commonality that you might find when you go through initiation is that, you know, we we are no longer in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. We don't need to rush people through training or through degrees. You know, from from a personal point of view, like I disagree with people getting first, second and third on a weekend retreat away or within the space of six months or nine months. For me, there is there is a lot of learning in between each stage. So we don't need to rush through anything because at the very least, you need time to almost internalize the teachings that you're being taught. And like we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of work. You know, you you strike you strike whilst the the iron is hot. I think that's the idiom. You strike whilst the iron is hot or the hammer is hot. You you know which one I'm talking about. And soon after initiation you will have so much work to do and we kind of make no qualms about that in our coven it's a lot of work and if you're prepared to put in that work you will reap the rewards and the benefits you know that's not saying that you need to rush through content because you don't you know we will quite explicitly tell you do this practice for the next month maybe quarter or half a turn of the wheel and then we'll reevaluate, and then we'll teach you a little bit more and you can go deeper into that practice, possibly before going on to something else. You know, our craft is experiential, which means you do have to show up to Fight Club. 
you do have to show up to gain experience of the circle. I was going to put another reference in of fighting the high priest, but I won't. I won't say that, even though I just kind of basically did. You know, you have to show up to circle to have those teachings and to almost learn through osmosis, diffusion, whichever one of those terms it is. And and she's giving me a little bit of a smile because I always get these. Because they're the same thing. Then (laughs) ah, there we go. (laughs) Osmosis is a type of diffusion. So ah, there we go. Like you have to be in circle. Like lots of the learning you do will be in circle, and yes, you can be given a handout of this is how you do it. But are you are you doing Wicca if you're not actually practicing? You know, I I don't want to cre- create armchair pagans who have all the theory but don't necessarily have the the physical experience of whatever casting the the circle is about, raising the energy calling the quarters kind of thing you know i want initiates to have a good sound basis of knowledge in theory and in practice i agree with that but i do want to add the caveat that if you got initiated today and tomorrow something happened for some reason and you left your coven and never joined another coven again you're still an alexandrian witch right like so i do want to point out that Yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. We want to bring people into the into our covens who are dedicated members of the coven and who are there to do circle with us because they add to our egregore. And it's a, it becomes more of an exchange, uh, more of an equal exchange of energy because they're adding to the coven egregore and you're training them and so on and so on. But once you're initiated as an Alexandrian, you're always an Alexandrian, regardless if you've never done Alexandrian ritual again after that fact so i do think that's worth noting yeah you can't unexperience what you've experienced and that's the transition point of becoming a member of the group um as for how long it takes however long it needs to i don't i don't put a time period on it if it takes a long time so be it if it doesn't so be it it takes however long it needs to yeah it it'll take us however long it takes my my worry is that if you have a very studious initiate who can get through a lot of content, my worry would be how much are they internalizing and how much are they just kind of going through the motions? So even though I agree that it'll take as long as it takes, I also don't want them to be almost like too quick, if that makes sense. I don't want them to rush through anything as well. I want them to to kind of know their craft inside and out. But did they do the work? And so that's a capital W. Right. So in that instance, although they may have done all the classes, it might need more time. So however long it needs to take might not be done yet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I know that there are covens out there that will say that if if you're a first degree initiate, you know, we, we won't consider you for elevation into second and or third until, you know, commonly a year and a day but as james has rightly said it will take as long as it takes and i mentioned it earlier there are first degrees out there that have been first degrees for for absolutely ages and that's and that's just fine you know i'm i'm also sure that there are first degrees out there that possibly know parts of their craft better than some seconds and better than some thirds and and that is you know that's that's just fine you know but what i am saying is that from my personal point of view, is that I don't want to create 
just kind of like surface level Wiccans or witches. I want them to really internalize teachings so that they can become competent and skilled within their craft as well. Yeah, it's not that 1970s kind of puppy farm mentality right. that, that we talked about before. Yeah. And I and I know that Thorn Mooney in her uh, traditional Wicca for Seekers book mentions that if you are a small startup coven, if, if you've hived and you've only taken one member, you might need to do things quicker. And that's not saying that we should initiate everybody left, right and centre, but you might need to move quicker if you are a smaller group. If you're a bigger group, you will probably naturally move slower because every, you know, everybody's moving forward, but everybody's moving forward at, at, at a different pace in a larger group. In a smaller group, you might all be moving forward at the at the same time. But yeah, we'll um I mean we've mentioned I've mentioned it now, so I will link the uh Thorn Mooney's book in the in the show notes as well. It is a really good book. If you are currently seeking, uh I would recommend that that you purchase the book. Obviously, don't make yourself financially unstable because we know in this podcast the temptation to buy all the things and all the shinies is very very strong and very real but yeah lend it from your local library loan it from your local library you know you don't have to make yourself financially unstable to practice witchcraft you know i fall into the trap that i do (laughs) but it is it is something that i'm aware of because i love all the shinies and all the books you know my to read pile has brand new books on it and i just keep adding just keep stacking them up i'm like yeah that's my to read pile. How many books now? Oh, 15 and counting. But, you know, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. But let's get back to what we might actually find or expect to go through in an initiation instead of Peter's never ending pile of unread books and, and, and Chinese and pointies. So the effects of initiation as well. You know, I want to talk about the good, the bad and the ugly. I've already mentioned the fact that when you have an initiator experience, and I'm obviously going to be biased, but I'm talking about British traditional Wicca initiatory experiences. You might have a feeling of euphoria. You might have, as James mentioned earlier, that aha moment. You know, you might feel that connection to your coveners, to the wider web of weird, to the wider initiate network. You know, you will have the experience of the gods, the fact that you will get, hopefully, structured learning and teaching and training. I've mentioned it already that, you know, by practicing BTW and witchcraft, it is a form of self-empowerment, a form of self-development. That's what we're in it for, in order to better ourselves as as people, as initiates, as members of our coven, as members of our wider community. You know, there is a lot of good that comes from initiation. The bad and the ugly, I think we've we've already mentioned as well, really. You know, there will be upheaval. We can't... Well, I not, not. You know what? Yeah, we can. We can divine and we can throw the bones and we can read the runes and we can read the tarot. And, you know, by doing some sort of divination, you might be able to get some sort of, not advanced information, but, you know, what is happening? What, what can I... What cards can I pull? What runes can I throw in order to kind of glimpse into what is coming? But... There will be major life changes. It could be upheaval. You know, you might have to confront parts of yourself that you didn't want to. You know, that's where that uncomfortable feeling comes in. 
But again, with the bad and the ugly, talk to your covered leaders, talk to your high priestess, talk to your high priest. Because if we don't know, say it with me, we can't help you. So that is like all to do with what you might find or expect in an initiation, some of the effects on different levels, the types of initiation and why we think it's important. But what are the red flags? What are the things that you will definitely not experience when you're going through an initiation? Now, it would be remiss of me not to include this. So I'm going to include a reference to June Johns's book, which I know James will say, just go out and read it because then you know what not to read. No, I'm not going to say that. You should read the book, but in the great words of one of my fellow initiates when we read this through pre-initiation in our first coven, um, shenanigans. This book is shenanigans, and you need to know this in advance. Um, So um, with that said, we also did a whole episode on red flags and things like that, or we included Mm -hmm. a whole section on red flags. All those apply here as well. Yeah, we did. We did a whole episode, like James has said, on red flags. So please, after this episode, go back and listen to the red flag ones, the red flag episode. So the quote that I want to share with you is I've kind of paraphrased it because there's a lot in it, but I've paraphrased it. I'll give you tea. I'm going to put on my voice. I'll give you tea, said Mrs. Bibby, but take off all your clothes. I'm going to make sure that you never tell another living living soul what you have seen this day. If you do, I'll kill you, she said. And she continued, bend over. And she took a knife and Alex felt blood trickle down from his scrotum. That's a quote from The King of the Witches, The World of Alexanders, written by June Johns in 1969. And it is on page 12. Shenanigans. Major shenanigans. Now, the first thing that I want to, want to say about this quote is the caveat that this didn't happen alex never met his his welsh grandmother mrs bibby as she died in 1907 which was roughly 19 years before alex's birth so as james has has said and shared shenanigans what i want to really delve into this quote about is that clearly alex is a boy when when this was supposed to have happened now most covens won't won't take you on as as a prospective student or an initiate until you're you're 18, very least at 18. Some might set it at 21, some might set it even higher, some might go as high as 25. But it is not common for anybody under the age of 18 to be initiated. I suppose the only caveat to that is that maybe if you have a family member and they're under the age of 80 maybe they're on the you know the the threshold of their 18th birthday and you might initiate them you know what what you do you have to clear with your own conscience but the vast majority of btw covens alexandrian and gardnerian covens won't initiate you unless you're 18 and sometimes 21 so looking at this little story um, which I'm, I'm familiar with. I've, I've heard it read it before. I know there's this whole power dynamic there and all that's in, in, included. Um, and that should be really thought about. Are, are you only being initiated because you're being pressured? And that's a, a red flag. But there are so many little red flags that go up in this. 
between Alex being uh, allegedly a minor, so on and so forth, that Alex needs to vote with his feet very quickly and go somewhere else. Um, I know that's easy to say um, because power dynamic and his grandmother and all the other stuff that the story wraps up in it. But in all seriousness, it's it's full of red flags. Yeah, you're right. You know, if if this did happen, and we know it didn't, but Alex should have voted with his feet and, and left. You know, Wicca is difficult to get into and easy to get out of. You know, I it would be remiss of me to, to not mention that the fact that no one is is born into Wicca. We did an episode, um, maybe four episodes, five episodes ago, where where James spoke at length about the fact that there's only a couple of ways that you get into religion, and you're either born into it or you're a convert. And you were not born into BTW. Wicca is not passed via a bloodline. It is it is passed by initiation. Everybody of the Wicca has gone through an initiation in order to get into that into that tradition and into that coven. Mm. And even more importantly than talking about what miners should have done in a hypothetical situation, let's just talk about if you are in a coven that's initiating miners, that's definitely a red flag. And that's when you need to start talking with your feet and leave. Yeah. Definitely. If if you're in a coven that is initiating minors and whatever the the age of, of legal adulthood is in your country, then red flag and you should be voting with your feet. I think, you know, if somebody is if somebody is nipping your scrotum with any kind of knife, apart from the shock <laughs> that you will get, you you should be voting with your feet. Another red flag that we've brought up time and time again and that you will hear on other uh, British traditional Wicca podcasts and seeing in all of the seekers groups as well is that you are not required like sex is not a part of an initiation it's not and if that is being sprung upon you during your night of initiation then don't even wait for the doorway to be cut in the circle you you just leave so another thing that you shouldn't find in an initiation and that would be a red flag is that you shouldn't be being forced to consume anything that that you don't want to normally you will have some sort of pre-discussion with your high priestess or your high priest about the fact that there will be certain things in the ritual and if you don't drink alcohol if you're teetotal obviously tell your your prospective HP or HPS about that because there might be some con- some consuming of wine before circle or even during circle, but you shouldn't be made to eat or drink anything that, that you don't want to. You know, just make sure that you have some sort of conversation with your high priestess and or your high priest before the initiation. Yeah, see, I don't mind saying that our coven enjoys wine but <laughs> i'll get on board not, with that but that's not the same as uh forcing someone to you know drink said alcohol mm. and we don't have anyone in our coven in recovery but if we did we would have to look at that practice as a group and determine how we were going to proceed and that's a healthy way to approach that i believe but to to mandate is a totally different matter yeah we we will use 
quite often some sort of flying ointment before before ritual and if you've if you've never consumed a flying ointment before the first thing i want to share with you is that you never eat it because most flying ointments which is basically like like a salve they will contain poisonous herbs or herbs that will have an effect on your on your on your physical level but also that will work ethnobotanically on a spiritual level so we will we will quite often um use a flying ointment but that is after initiation you know we're not we're not smothering um would be initiates in in a flying ointment that's something that comes after initiation that is also a discussion as well so yeah if you are being forced to consume anything um that is that is a major red flag so they are just a few red flags that you shouldn't find in an initiation because if you do then you vote with your feet uh we've mentioned it already that we've done an episode quite quite a lengthy episode on red flags and there are other podcasts out there that mention you know what are the red flags of joining a coven or of initiation you know go and check those out after you've after you finish this one so i now want to move on to aftercare we mentioned that initiation will have an effect on you physically spiritually emotionally mentally there will be some sort of effect so one of the things that we like to instill in our students and in, in our new initiates is the practice of of daily preferably or weekly grounding and centering meditations it is really important that you ground and center and sometimes shield as well because you are getting into that state when you are an initiate and when you're in a circle it's almost kind of like like a beacon on the astral plane and one of the best ways of keeping yourself air quotes safe is by making sure that that you ground and center as much as possible you know if you make it part of your nighttime routine just before you go to bed spend some time in contemplation or meditation and just make sure that that you're grounding yourself in the in the here and now as well that's something that we we tell our new initiates to do also journaling or keeping a diary of your thoughts and feelings is is another common practice that a lot of covens will ask their new initiates to do even if it's just to note down notes of discussion when you have your next circle or if you wake up in the middle of the night and you've had some sort of dream note it down that could be a point of discussion in the next circle or when you wake up and you frantically want to message your high priest or your high priestess you know journaling is is a really good exercise because you can also in years to come maybe you know when you're just about to do your second degree or your third degree you can come back to your like original notes and you can see just how much you progressed or how much you've developed and you could be thinking oh i thought this but now i think this you know it's it's important that that you're keeping notes of of your thoughts and your feelings and it's it's also really important and we've mentioned it already a couple of times numerous times in this in this episode it's important that you stay in contact with your coven and and other people around you like your partners work colleagues it's important that you don't isolate yourself into thinking that you're the only person that has ever gone through this kind of whatever it is after initiation you know 
make sure that the lines of communication are clear between you and your initiator or you and your high priest and high priestess. You might live a plain journey away from the covenstead. And, and in that case, it might not be feasible for you to physically see your coveners as much as you would like. And in that in that instance, I would say, you know, Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp and, and texting is is your avenue to make sure that you have those open lines of communication with your with your coven elders. I do want to add that most of these aftercare instructions, I think, would also go for a lot of the um like experiential and you know, life initiatory yeah. things that we mentioned earlier, right? If you're grieving, mm-hmm. if you're a new parent, if you're you know, just experience, you've just moved away from home for the first time, like whatever it is, you know, don't isolate yourself. Don't think that you have to do everything on your own. Don't get so stuck in your head that you, you know, don't stop following your routines, which is really hard um, when you've got, when you've moved or like there's been a big shakeup, but all of those things are really key um, to dealing with like major transitions and changes and like life shattering, life changing events. So all of this is just good. I I hate to use the buzzword, but like good self-care, like just good managing, like to, I guess, make it through the event or make it through the experience and, you know, to get whatever wisdom it is that you're going to get from it. Yeah, absolutely. I think in terms of the coven, remember the other initiates in the coven have probably been through very similar things to you. Um, talk to them, communicate with them. You might feel really, really different after initiation. You might feel completely grounded in the normal. and Both of these things are fine. Just keep your routines up as well. Um, it can be really tempting to, to go off and be like the biggest, best witch and do all the things because you're really excited. You'll burn out. <laughs> You've got the rest of your life. As we've said, you can't be uninitiated. So just... Drink up, go slowly, you'll be okay. Yeah, you've got the rest of your life to walk this path if you choose to continue to walk it. It is, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. You don't want to have early burnout because that, you know, that will lead to its own complications. And the last thing that we want as as coven leaders is for you to experience that, that, that burnout. You know, naturally, we will all have some sort of burnout in in our personal lives and in our craft but just you know take it slow take it steady make sure you don't abandon your your current care routines and medicine and therapy you know make sure that you're still looking after yourself and you're keeping well and you're keeping active because as as douchey as this sounds like that is your own personal responsibility you know your high priestess and your high priest and your coveners and your elders cannot force you to keep well or to work out or to eat healthily you know make sure that you're looking after yourself and you're not abandoning any practices that you already had prior to initiation i want to add also because we've just spent a lot of time talking about all these different things that can change if you go through initiation and you feel like actually like my life stayed pretty stable that doesn't mean that it didn't work right like we said earlier sometimes you've already gotten whatever lesson it was like from some other experience in your life I think this is 
you know, it might be slightly more common in folks who are kind of, who are older when they get initiated or maybe not, but like, don't listen to this episode and go like, fuck, my whole life didn't fall apart after I was initiated. Um, there, I just earned us our explicit rating for today, you know? So that means like, it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't take, I'm not real. Like, no, we're not saying that. We're just saying people should be prepared for these things because I think otherwise people think like I've made a mistake, the gods hate me, like whatever. And it's not about that at all. Um, so whatever happens with you is is totally fine. And if you have concerns, talk to your elders. So stick with your routines. Talk to your current elders. You know, don't don't abandon your regular life. So that about brings us to the end of this episode. Today, we've talked about why initiation is important in British traditional Wicca, the five types of initiation, how initiation will affect you on the physical, spiritual and emotional level, what you might find in an initiation and what you shouldn't find in an initiation, including some of the red flags that should make you run and vote with your feet. So initiation is a ritual process that all of the Wicca go through in both Alexandrian and Ghanaian Wicca, and therefore is a shared experience that will connect all of the Wicca through the web of the weird. Initiation will have a profound effect on a new initiate. So ensure that you do have that open communication with your high priestess, high priest and your covenant elders, as they'll help guide you through any worrisome episodes during the initial after stages of the initiation. If we don't know, we can't help. For those that accept the challenge of initiation, the rewards are manifold and the initiation is just the beginning of your path up the tree. So thank you for listening. As a reminder, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook as Circle Talk for Witches. That's four is in the number. On Twitter as Circle for Witches, again, the number four. Or you can email us at circletalkforwitches at gmail.com. And guess what? That's also the number four again. If you have any questions or queries or thoughts or ideas for future discussions, then please do get in touch. We love hearing from you. From all of us at Circle Talk, Merry Meet, Merry Part and marry me again.